Welcome to Mutual Victory, friends. This is Matt. This is Jeannie. It's Thursday. It's the best day is ever. It? it is the best day ever. It's the best day ever. Yeah. It's my favorite day. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's got we a good, get to hang out. It's got a good vibe to it. <laughs> we, we just played a game. We did. And you won. Rare, yeah. A rare occurrence. And I don't care about winning, so it was fun. And I love sometimes, we have so many games, and I love that sometimes you set up a game and I know what we're going to play, but it doesn't actually mean anything in my head until I see it. And then I'm like, oh, I love this game. Right. Like you connect the name and know that we have it. Right. But no other fact about the game. I mean, I remember the cheese and the wines and the and the wools part. <laughs> I remember the cheese. <laughs> It's like a beginning of a T.S. Eliot poem or something. I remember the cheese. <laughs> it was a cold day in the streets of Paris. <laughs> I remember the cheese. The cheese and the wool. Anyway, I'm very excited about our topic tonight. So um, I'm going to do my best to not dive in or talk too much or too fast. Good, because I have some things to... You have some things. I do. You have some updates? Updates, yeah. Okay. So I watched, we watched The Big Chill. We did some soul searching we research did. about why scenes where people randomly dance bug the shit out of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had never seen The Big Show, but it had quite a reputation because it's got a lot of big names in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah Glenn Close, Glenn Close. Uh, Kevin Klein, Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum, William Hurt, William Hurt. Oh, William Hurt. Yeah, yeah, William Hurt. Kevin Costner's in it. No. Yes. But he's in it. Did you see him in it? He's the he's the dead guy. Yeah, but we didn't see him. In the begin in the opening credits when they're like dressing the body yeah. and combing the hair. I'm pretty sure that's him. That literally could have been anyone. Yeah, but he's like credited as that's Alex. Very strange. He's it was very has, strange. It was had, like let's just throw Kevin Costner's name in here. But it was so that. mad early though. 83 he had nothing then. He was okay. a very young like kid. I mean, I don't even know if Silverado was out then. Well. <laughs> I just spoke Chinese to you. You have no idea what I just said, do you? I don't know about that <laughs> movie, but <laughs> it was before Dances with Wolves. Way before. Yeah. So there's a lot of issues with these dancing scenes, and I'm realizing this. I did watch, well, we watched The Big Chill, and I did watch the scene from Practical Magic okay. that I referenced. Both of those scenes... I hated. Yeah. I did hate the scenes. We established that? No. I mean, like, upon rewatching. Oh, okay. Like, going into I'm like, I need to relook at this. Hate it. Like, the big chill scene just seemed so forced. It just seemed... And because it was like, after dinner, Kevin Klein throws on a record, and like, they're cleaning up. They're like, doing the dishes. And they're dancing while they're doing the... Do you remember the song? Uh, no. Do you? Because it was not a memorable scene. No, it just seemed like so... There's a couple of things about that scene that's weird. One is that they just start dancing, which I hate. And there was a lot of shots, a lot, maybe two or three, of just Glenn Close's butt. There was a lot of butt shots. Of like yep. hers. And mm-hmm. I think hers only? I'm not yeah. sure. I just felt really weird. Hmm. Like why they're showing a random shot of her butt. 
I don't know. It was 1983's version of grinding. I guess. <laughs> so weird. Anyway, yeah, I didn't. But then that made me think of other movies or scenes where people dance and it doesn't bother me and I find it cute. Right. One being The Breakfast Club. Like the scene where they start dancing when in detention. they start dancing in the library. Yeah, I, I, I thought of that scene, watched it on YouTube, and I'm like, this is cute. I find this charming. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like they're trying to hit me over the head with how much fun everyone's having. Mm-hmm. It felt it felt genuine. I don't know how or why, huh. but it, it didn't feel forced. Yeah. It's like, what else are you doing in detention? You probably should dance. Yep. Something. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So okay. I rewatched, didn't, still don't care for that. Sometimes, I don't know. Maybe it's if, if I feel like it's in earnest and it's done where i feel like yeah but that's not really what it's about are you gonna say what it's actually about well i mean there's another instance and there's an episode of community where the episode ends they're all hanging out together in like Mm -hmm. troy and abed's apartment and then i think Britta puts on like roxanne Mm -hmm. and they all start dancing and it like it was cute and it seemed it didn't seem forced and i loved it and i'm like this is an adorable way to end the episode but any other other instances, I'm like, this feels so gross. Stop it. It's awkward and I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Don't know. But I do have a question. What's your hot take on the big chill? Oh, God. Um, wow. It wasn't as uh, cringy as I had anticipated it being. Oh, yeah? Well, you know, sometimes I watch 80s movies and like you tolerate them. Like you kind of gird your loins. Mm. There's going to be some weird shit. Mm. And there's an element of nostalgia. So you kind of like, you know, we've talked about this whenever we've watched a freaking John Hughes movie. Yeah, it's I was like, just, mm, as you're talking, is, yeah. I'm thinking like, is it because stuff that you found funny in the 80s now seems dated? And yeah. Okay. Is that where you're? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And so not having any kind of nostalgic connection to the movie, I was like, oh, this is going to be some weird, weird shit. But, you know, and it wasn't that it wasn't that there were some moments where, you know, it was a little teetering. And for the most part, it didn't have like a whole bunch of overt patriarchal sexist stuff going on in the movie. Um, Not a whole lot of like, when we watch like Revenge of the Nerds, yeah, oh, Jesus. there's like a lot of stuff that's like played to be funny, played for comedy. Right. That you look at it in 2022 and you're like, wow, that that is bad. Mm-hmm. That is not not okay what's happening. Like not even, can't even brush it aside because it's a mo- like you think it's a movie. It's like, ugh, I, yeah. I can't actually laugh at this kind of thing. Yeah. There was none of that. I didn't really, I didn't think there was a whole lot of that or any really. Right. Right. Sometimes watching movies where there's this, um, it's heavy on the like flashing back, not even necessarily in actual scenes, but like this energy around characters, you know, remembering their better days or younger Mm. days or um, rekindling like high school romances and things like that. When those things are the main plot in a movie or the undertones in a movie, I'm like, no. Is it because it's like a midlife crisis movie? Maybe. We're like, I know that that's a loaded phrase. Really, yeah. People hear that. But like, I guess what I mean by that is characters that 
are kind of coming to terms with like the reality of their lives. And then while also realizing it's not all they wanted or all that they wished it would be while kind of revisiting the past sort of thing. Right. And this idea that like, you know, high school years or the nostalgia of the this past is college, they like, were university of Michigan or college years. Right. is like the best mm. time to like revisit. And I don't know if it's because I don't, I did just didn't have like a traditional experience in life in that way. Or if it's, if it seems like, um, completely counter to being present with what is in your life right now. Like it seems a little bit of a distraction or um, an addiction of sorts of like, you know, way back when was better than now. Things were simpler, like any language around that, like um, this illusion that 20 years ago was better than it is today. Instead of having this realization that like what was different, in that time was actually your mindset. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, you're fed that shit at graduation day. Yeah. When how many different speeches are like, go forth, you saw change the blah, 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 the young face of this nation, blah, blah, blah. I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of like pining or yearning for a simpler time. It was more of a focus on like the present is sort of disappointing. Like mm-hmm. the disillusioned with how the press, how it turned out. Not like God, everything was so much easier, better. It's just like ugh, this is all kind of. Well, there was not that as... whole weird scenario with the woman, the character who was a lawyer. Yeah. Where she was Which like, "Yeah, I like did the thing where I paid my dues and like was helpful." You know, like I I don't remember if she was exactly like a public defender mm. or something like that, and then she basically was like. Until I realized I could go into like real estate law right. and make a shit ton of money, you know, like, yeah. and, and the energy around that was mm. just so, you know, and I, I don't think we have a, a ton of listeners who are spanning multiple generations here. And, and I can say it just kind of has that energy of like this generation that longed genuinely, I believe, to shift and change the world in, the 60s and 70s, mm. and then the eventual sellout. Oh, the S word. I can't believe you said it. <laughs> so I'm just going to, I was going to put that one right on the oh, table. Oh, wow. Look at and, you. Uh, and then the justifying it, where it's like, you know, well, I needed stability or I needed this or like, you know, defending actual criminals was hard. Like, it just was such weird thing to reflect on in life. Mm. And, um, you know, very very strange and the nostalgia piece was more about like relationships like they were all trying to like hook up with each other i'm like what are you guys doing (laughs) like your friend just died and you're you're gathering in this house and then you're like basically like well who can i hook up with while i'm here like "Hmm." yeah strange yeah um yeah there was definitely and i'm thinking about it through like what are other generational movies where like the generation kind of comes of age and then they realize that whatever way they thought life was going to be or turned out is significantly not that. I'm trying to think of, I think, you know, the movie Clerks comes to mind. Kevin mm. Smith, it, I don't remember, I haven't seen it in a while, but it's like they don't seem to really play up nostalgia of like life was better then. It was more of just straight to the dissatisfaction with what is, 
today. Today. Yeah. But then also sort of coming to terms with it. Mm-hmm. Like I know by the end of that movie, the main character, Dante, like he's struggling because like he wants to be with his girlfriend or they break up and he's thinking about someone else he was with or something. And then like by the end, he realizes that like this woman is a good woman. Like she's good to him. And it's like, it's not a grass is always greener on the other side scenario. He kind of has that moment where like, Nothing significantly changed in his, changes in his life. He doesn't like get a promotion. He doesn't like get a new job. Like it's right. not grand. He just kind of has a different perspective. So I'm trying to think of other movies kind of like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Well, and they're so. I mean, and the other side is that they're so great in the demonstration of the human experience around um, exceptionalism and individualism. Mm. So growing up in a world where you're maybe fed language that like, you know, your generation is going to change the world or you yourself are embarking upon something that like stands out, something that makes a difference, you know, when she went into that particular type of law, it was to make a difference, Mm. to like be the one. And, you know, over time, it's like, it's never enough in the sense that like, I'm not getting enough attention, affirmation, accolades around how I'm doing all of these things. Mm. It's so like self-indulgent in a way. And and it's a cycle of suffering. It's a cycle of addiction to suffering because mm. it's like, you know, how are you going to know that you're exceptional? Like when, at what point are you going to be like, yep, that's it. I've reached it. I am now exceptional. I have I have landed on everything I'm here to do and how many people have that experience and then don't crash from that. I mean, mm. that's what I'm saying in the sense that it's like an addiction to suffering mm. of not you know, not fitting into those either self-imposed or culturally imposed uh situations where you have to be, you know, you have to be different, you have to stand out, you have to be the best, you have to be exceptional. That makes sense. I think so. Okay. That's my little rant about that. Oh, I, that's a great rant. <laughs> yeah. I did. I remember, I remember, I think my parents owned the CD of the soundtrack. So I remember going into this thinking like, and I think even stuff I've read, it's like, oh, the soundtrack, the soundtrack. And it's like, it's not as much boomer hits that I thought. Mm-hmm. And I'd never seen the movie, but I'm like, I bet you fucking My Girl is on the soundtrack. You hate that song. I, I it's I don't like it right now because it's I, I've had enough of it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying people that like it are dumb or anything. It's just yeah. like, I've heard it enough in my You're life. You're allowed to have an opinion about a song, honey. It's fine. <laughs> well, I mean, I could, my opinions can come off. It's kind of like strong. One-ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm done with that song. It's fine. I, I, and I know just like, oh, here it comes. I have that thought about brown brown eyed girl. Oh yeah, that's a good one to have that opinion about. What is happening in the song? I don't know. Let's care about it. Yeah, there was a couple instances of the soundtrack. I'm like, it's pretty on the nose, and I don't know how I feel about that. I'm mixed. Like, if you're trying to find a song that suits a situation in a movie, Mm -hmm. I'm that I'm I'm kind of in that snobby zone where like you don't want it to be so obscure where it has no meaning to anyone, but also if it's like hitting the nail on the head. You know, it's like they're learning about Alex's death and they're playing I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Yeah. Which I, it's tough because I love that song. <laughs> yeah. It's a good song. It's a good song. But I was like, okay, I get what's going on. And then, I, you know, 
I think, stop having such opinions if it's just a freaking movie. Yeah, I mean, I the only thought that I had about the soundtrack, and I'm not like a soundtrack connoisseur like you are, was I wonder if, I mean, like, <laughs> this is where we date ourselves, right? I'm like, 1983? Where did you access soundtracks in 1983? You went to Sam Goody or Tower Records. You had to go buy that tape or something. (laughs) Because how often do we watch a movie and then we just pull up the soundtrack streaming and then like we just play it in the house because we watched this movie and we enjoyed the soundtrack. Yeah, totally. So in a time where maybe soundtracks weren't as big a deal... Mm. Maybe that's an illusion. I don't know. It's not that they weren't a big deal, but I think like music in general, it wasn't available at our fingertips 24-7. Right. Like you had to have such a pivotal moment with that soundtrack that you're willing to, you know. Right. Make the effort to go to the store, buy it and whatever. Yeah. My first experience with that was Dirty Dancing. So, you know. My first experience loving a soundtrack was Star Wars. I remember like I must have been 14 or 13 Having enough money for somehow, somehow I got my hands on some money, birthday or Christmas or whatever. I remember I was like, I'm going to go to the record store because for 50 bucks, you can get all three CDs of the Star Wars soundtracks. $50? For three double discs? What year was this? I don't know, something in the 90s. That's like a fortune. Right. And that's why I remember, I don't know who I was talking to. Maybe my sister, maybe Jeff. I'm okay. telling this. And either of them were like, you're going to spend that on that? I was like, I really like it. And it's so funny. Now I'm like, I should have bought that. That would have been a cool, I mean, because it had its own box. Yeah. It had its own like artwork. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of funny where it's like, you think of something that far back and you're like, I'm still into that thing. Mm. I was, my tastes were on the nose for me then, you know, instead of thinking of something like, oh, that vanilla ice CD doesn't quite hold up. <laughs> doesn't get as much play time. Did you have a vanilla ice CD? I had the cassette. Yeah, I had the cassette and I had the cassette. I got both hammer time (laughs) wait hold on wait a minute Mm -hmm. is that the name of mc hammer's the album i don't know why the hell did you call it hammer time because that was what i remember (laughs) being like i need hammer time (laughs) (laughs) and my grandmother was like okay (laughs) i'm sure she was just like whatever and i think we went into like kmart and got them that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I need hammer time. I mean, I needed hammer time and hammer pants. Well, you know. Oh, wait. Was it please hammer don't hurt him? Nineteen ninety. Probably must be yeah. because the one that came after that, I think, was too legit to quit. Too legit to quit. Yeah, it wasn't that one. I was no. Yeah, it was the earlier one. Please hammer don't hurt him. And I got it at the same time as I got my vanilla ice tape. Yeah, so. in Saint Gregor the Great Elementary School, when it was time for Christmas. We did Secret Santas. There was like a year. It made have been sixth grade where like our tastes changed. We're uh-huh. like, you know, there was a limit if you had a Secret Santa for like the big gift at the end. Right. So like you could, it, the limit was like five bucks or something. And that couldn't get you a whole album. It could get you a single though. Oh, those little singles there with was like the a, cardboard box around the outside. There was a lot of requests for Ice Ice Baby. Ice Ice Baby. MC Hammer. I think the Humpty Dance. <clears throat> Don't know how he wrote that on the board in Mrs. Griner's class. I mean, you know, like Humpty Dumpty. I don't even think they would believe that. (laughs) (laughs) 
I I remember that was a very short-lived experience with MC Hammer and um Vanilla Ice. Yeah. Because very shortly after that Brit got me Pearl Jam 10. Yep. And that was That was it. It was Pearl Jam and the Indigo Girls and that's all that I was listening to for the next you know, 14 months of life. Yep. There was a rap hip hop phase early on sixth mm-hmm. and seventh grade, mainly because other people were listening to it and then kind of like showed it to me. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it was until it was either smells like teen spirit or enter Sandman, mm-hmm. which like came out within weeks of each other. So yeah, <gasps> until I heard them, I'm like, Oh, that's what this, that's what music is. And totally shifted. And yeah. do you know what the soundtrack of sixth grade was? Like the movie soundtrack of my sixth grade year? Would have been your seventh grade year. Robin Hood? Mm-mm. What? I mean, that was a great single. Right. Not a full soundtrack, though. Yeah. Wayne's World. Oh, yeah. Wayne's World. That's a good one. You're like, right. mm-hmm. blew my mind. And also, <laughs> totally thought that these songs were new. <laughs> and my mom oh, and my, yeah. you know, my aunts were like... <laughs> you know how old these songs are and i was like what do you how do you know bohemian rhapsody Uh, and they're like um uh, whoa 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 hold on time out (laughs) let's back up here yeah i remember us in seventh or eighth grade really being into that song yeah yeah that's hilarious from wayne's world Mm -hmm. another hot take on the big chill i have pieced together a fan theory or headcanon i think it's probably headcanon Headcanon is like the flimsiest of connections. Okay. I think then once it graduates into fan theory, you need to support it with evidence, either okay. dialogue or something. You need to present some sort of evidence to back this up. So headcanon. Okay. So hand, the, headcanon the, is like... Is this a connection in my mind between uh, two movies that yeah. have virtually no... I There's nothing in the two movies, aside from the Sharon actor, that I could... That could make an argument that they're connected, only in my brain. Okay. The Big Chill is a prequel mm-hmm. to The Incredible Hulk, <laughs> starring Edward Norton. Oh, my God. The Big Chill is an MCU movie. I'm going to need you to draw these parallels for me. Okay. Because Edward Norton was not in The Big Chill. No, he wasn't, but you know who was? Who? William Hurt. Yes, he was. And he played a Vietnam vet. <gasps> okay. So after The Big Chill, like during that movie, he is having his existential kind of crisis. crisis. Yep. He can't deal Right with, the, with what he's witnessed and his PTSD, mm-hmm. head cannon. He reenlists in the army because he wants it's the only thing that makes sense. The structure, yep. the organization, it gives yep. his life meaning. Maybe he changes his name to Thaddeus Ross. Okay, and he rises to the ranks and becomes a colonel. Because if you're going to change your name, might as well be to Thaddeus. Yeah, are you even taking this seriously? I am. This is a brilliant. <laughs> yes, he becomes cannon. Thaddeus Ross. Who I would the, say this is a fan theory. This has a level that could move into fan yeah, theory. But there's there's enough to back it up. Only that the two characters share a military background. All right. There's no like... Timelines, no other... we're not looking at years yet or anything like that. Well, it's 1983 uh-huh. in Big Chill. And then Hulk is like 2008 or nine. Okay. So is that enough time to re-enlist, reinvent your identity and become a colonel? Who then becomes a general, then becomes Secretary of State, tries to break up the Avengers. It's in here. It's up here. It's, I love it. It's it's there. I love it. Yeah. 
I love when you have headcanon. <laughs> you should just call them, I should just call them car thoughts. Car just, thoughts? It's, they usually happen while I'm driving mm. and they just kick around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I imagine that, that that's where a lot of conspiracy theorists come up with their ideas too. Well, hold on. They just have car thoughts. Can we not call this a conspiracy theory? <laughs> I'm just saying that like probably the level of things that have to line up are similar. Okay. All right. I thought about this. It made sense in my head. What's the connection? I mean, it, like, yeah. you know, head cannon. The movie that's the perfect sequel to Mary Poppins is 1917. And any one of those boys you see on the British side who don't speak, that's Michael Banks. Any of them. Yeah. Can't be the main characters have names. So he can't be like, he changes his name. Nope. Right. Any one. There's tons of British boys. Tons of Michael Banks is running around. In that, in that trench at the beginning right. of the movie. I agree. Yeah. I do enjoy your fan conspiracy theories. Stop calling him that. <laughs> it's not okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> So what were we really going to talk about? What were we really going to talk about? I don't know. It's been like half an hour. Oh my God. Yeah, 25 minutes. So two months ago, we released a special episode. Oh yeah. No, it was um, in February. Yep. Around Valentine's Day. Yep. 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 Uh, in interest of telling uh, the at least the first part, part one of our love story. How we met, you know... All that meet cute stuff going on, um, first impressions, all that great stuff. First impressions. And um, what we were at that age in our lives willing to bring to the table and <laughs> what we were no longer willing to bring to the table. I think we brought a lot to the table. We did. We did. We were, I think it was almost, I want to say effortless-ish. It like, was pretty effortless. It wasn't a whole lot of... If I was watching the first part of our relationship in a movie, I would be like, no, this is a little bit too easy. This is a little too easy. It's a little too easy. Okay. So, um, like all great stories, ours began in a library. Yeah, that's what you said last time. And like, I shouldn't have said that because that was a great opening. Sorry, (laughs) hold on. Rewind. Rewind. Like all great stories. Ours belong in the library. Oh. Ours began in the library. Oh, that's so good. So good. <laughs> and um, like all great stories, our heroes experienced a squeeze <laughs> along squeeze. that journey. Yeah, I'm waiting for the... Dun, dun, dun. When we last left our heroes. <laughs> they thought everything was fine. Everything was great. Everything was not fine. Everything was not fine. Everything or great. was not fine or great. For two people that didn't tell shit to anyone in that building. Yeah. It was, it was remarkable. So, because we were working in a high school and shared students and many other, you know, <clears throat> reasons and interactions with other human beings, we did our best to really keep this to ourselves uh we you know i think we said this in the special valentine's day episode where like we would go on dates kind of far away from where we lived we you know would make every effort to not communicate with each other in school 
and to um, keep work very separate from our personal lives. And as far as like how much I would talk to other people about this, that wouldn't have really changed or didn't. Like, I'm not one to be like, so hey, here's what's going on in my life right now. Hey, neighbor, this is what's going on with me. I keep that shit under a a tight, heavy lid, regardless of what's going on. So like that part didn't really need any efforting or changing. I, I kept that shit to myself. And I'm a Scorpio. So my business is my business <laughs> and I don't trust anybody. So I was not, you know, at a point in my life where I was sharing things either on top of the fact that I have had numerous experiences up to that point in life where you tell people happy things that are going on and they proceed to share with you how these happy things can go wrong. And I was just done. I was just over all of that. And I knew that as long as we could sustain this like bubble of it just being the two of us. And we, I mean, Carrie knew. Carrie knew (laughs) almost all along, right? Like there was one time because before this, I would go over, like I would go over their apartment, hang out mm -hmm. for drinks, you know, then they moved to a house. So it was year and I would go over there and hang out. It was not unusual for like, hey, Matt, come on over. We'll have drinks, have some dinner, you know, play video game. How you and how can play video games, hang out. Great. That was not uncommon. <laughs> One day she stops me in the hall, I think, and like invited me up mm-hmm. for an evening on the weekend yeah. or something like that. And Friday she like, yeah, Friday. Yeah. She's like, so, you know, come on. And, you know, if you want to bring anyone, that's fine. I was like, okay. And kind of blew it off. Uh-huh. Not super intentionally. I was just like, okay. And then she almost, I don't even, in I don't know what she did, but in my head, I, I, I play it like this. She just took both of her hands and grabbed my shoulders. I was like, no, if you would like to bring anyone, <laughs> you can. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that's not actually probably what happened, but that's the way I remember it because it mm-hmm. seems funny. But yeah, but essentially she was like, you, you know, you could bring someone if you want to. Like, yeah. okay. No, no, really, you could you could bring mm-hmm. anyone you wanted to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and um <clears throat> Carrie had a like hall duty, <laughs> like you do. When, oh yeah. When you teach school. That's right. <laughs> and her hall duty was on this like slab. Slab. You had slab duty. Slab duty, slab bench of you know, concrete. I don't even know what it was made out of. Just by the main entrance, right? By the main entrance, which was really near where I spent most of my time working in the library. And so uh, I would go out and I would sit if I didn't have students or waiting for students or whatever, I would go and sit with her and like chat with her on and off on the slab. And she was getting all geared up for her wedding. So she had so many things to talk about about the wedding. And I would just like listen and, you know, be excited for her. And, um, you know, Matt and I were seeing each other pretty like consistently, you know, very, this wasn't like casual at this point. Yeah. And um, she's sitting, she's like, oh, you know, I just, I just can't help but wonder who Matt's going to bring to the wedding. And I was like, hmm, yeah, that, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like trying to like just maintain neutrality. So she didn't like know, know 
and she kind of knew and it and she was definitely the first to officially know in the building right yeah and um so you know we're keeping it under wraps i think uh and all of a sudden i get a mess like my supervisor my direct supervisor says to me we need to have a meeting after school like i need to talk to you about something and I was like, okay, you know, not an unusual thing. We had a lot of like intense students. It wasn't uncommon to like have to sit and like talk about some hard stuff and like make plans. So I, was, I didn't really think a whole lot of it. And I showed up for this meeting and it was my supervisor and the like two other colleagues that had the same position that I had in the building. And they were like, so we need to talk to you about your relationship with Matt O'Neill. And I was like, hmm, I don't know what you're talking about. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, huh. Um, well, uh, I, I don't have anything to say. Um, and they immediately launched into this like, this is really concerning. This is very distracting. We are, you know. Distracting to who? (laughs) Right. We're concerned that you are going to be taken advantage of, to which I've had to stifle such profound explosive laughter because I was trying to maintain professionalism in this highly unprofessional meeting that I have been dragged into. And I was like, where the heck is this coming from? Like, I had genuinely no idea how or where or any, it just didn't make any sense. So I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they were like, well, it was brought to our attention that somebody came across something that Matt wrote to you, basically. And I was like, what the fuck did he write to me? (laughs) And I'm racking my brain. I was thinking, like, was it a Facebook message? Like, right. an email? Was anything suggestive? I could not, for the life of me, put these two puzzle pieces together. So I sent you a text. And I was like, dude, what is going on? And, like, in in as few words as possible, kind of laid this out. And you were like, I don't know. I, I can't think. I have no idea what you're talking about. And um, And we were pretty, like stunned that you know i mean it it's a small town it's a small school even though it was the biggest high school in vermont um and was it at that time yeah really bigger than burlington yeah huh um and so not the point of the story not the point sorry not the point and then i (coughs) i didn't hear from you you know went home i i you know, was just kind of like annoyed and frustrated and a little bit weirded out that like we were, I was pulled into a work meeting about like personal stuff. It seemed so odd to me. And not only personal stuff, personal stuff that didn't happen in the building during the school day or in the building at all. Right. This was, this was off the clock out of the building. Not like I wasn't like leaving my class to be like, Hey, what's going on? Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And I mean, and if anything, like, we definitely would talk to people, members of the opposite gender in the building um, throughout our work day. And we never, ever would like hang out and chat at yeah, work. Yeah. We were overly separate and cautious, I think. And so I, it was a few hours later, I got a text message from you and the, and you were like, 
okay, I think I know what happened. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, do you want to tell this part of the story? You want me to? No, you keep going because I don't really have much, a whole lot of my memory is spotty. Your memory is spotty. So you were like, at the time you had a roommate, a housemate, and uh, you had been out of town for a long weekend or something. You went to visit your parents. Mm. I don't know. And uh, apparently when you were gone, your housemate went through your office and found a letter you had written to me. That's right. I do remember doing that. And you were like, so I wrote you a letter that I never planned on giving you. And someone found it and apparently shared it with other people because the letter's not here. Like the housemate took the letter. No, yeah, I have no memory of this. And I mean, I, I remember the incident. I don't remember a lot of the details. And I was like, what <clears throat> in the name of God is going on? Well, like at the time I was rereading Harry Potter uh-huh. and I was on book four and I think Sirius must have sent Harry a letter at some point. And it was the thought like, people don't write letters. Mm. It'd be a nice thing to do. Boy, that's fucking wrong. <laughs> So I never got this letter. No, it's 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 in the ether. And of course, I was like trying to. Uh, half of my brain was like, my mind was blown that an adult human would take something that was another <clears throat> adult human's, and then share whatever that personal, however personal it was, you know, uh, message out with other people. Like I, my brain just couldn't wrap itself around this at all. And then the other half of my brain was like, well, what did it say in this letter? Like, (laughs) I was just on this loop of like, well, what did the letter say? What did you write? And you had no memory. You were like, I don't even know. It it was nothing. Uh, Yeah. Like I remember, I don't remember any of the details, but I remember saying something like it, it wasn't a Casablanca letter. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't like leaving you at the train station being like, peace, I'm out of here. Good luck. It was that not what that was not the tone. That was not the time. That was not the letter. So, and so, um, after that point, <laughs> my attitude at work, needless to say, changed. I, <laughs> uh, because I was so appalled by so much of this behavior. Um, we still kind of like didn't interact a whole lot at work because we were busy. Number one, and. Number two, like we had a lot of student crossover and in, in many ways and not wanting it to like muddle that situation that came into play of getting our work done. And so we're navigating this at work and people want to know all of this information all of a sudden. And, you know, I have to preface the story by saying, this is not like we were the only couple in the building. Yeah, seriously. Like at all, yeah. So many. There's a handful of others. Couples, married couples, dating couples, like right people having affairs with other people in the building. We weren't even the only couple to start dating while working at the at the school, right? Like there's other couples that like started working there, met, then started dating. I know, weird, right? Like meeting somebody at work and like falling in love with them and dating them. Like what a weird thing. So bizarre. So bizarre. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So um, 
you know, I was like, all right, well, people just are nosy. And, you know, I'm still not really all that willing to talk about my personal life Hmm. with others, particularly since there was like this concern, right, that I was just going to be taken advantage of, which anybody that thinks that obviously doesn't know me very well. So that was kind of comical. Um, And and I thought maybe at least on the professional level, it was over. Mm, Like, okay, so the cat's out of the bag. We're still not talking about it. Shut up. Right. You know, just, and, uh, and then my boss wanted to have another meeting with me. I like, you know, there's instances where you like, I wish I can go back and handle things differently. Mm-hmm. Like there's, I have one particular meeting that took place in my time in that building. One stands out. I'm sure if I was pressed to think about more, there'd be others. But one press, one sticks out. If I can go back and just redo that, oh my god, I would have redone. It's not really related to you and I. This mm-hmm. is a separate right. thing. And I look back. I'm like, God, I was such a fucking idiot. I should have been like, actually, no, yeah, no, no. Yep. See ya. <laughs> yep. But you know, I did not. Lesson learned. And I didn't either. You know, I so I got called into that meeting, and again, it was like, <clears throat> you know, this is uh, this is very complicated, and people have a lot of thoughts around you and Matt dating each other, and uh, I think that you know it's important for you to know that you're probably going to have to choose between having this job, working in this building, or dating Matt O'Neill. And I was like, is this for real right now? (laughs) Is this for real? I was like, that doesn't make any sense. There are so many couples in this building. Did you give this ultimatum to the at least three or four other people I can think of right now? Well, not only that, did you give this ultimatum to Matt? Nobody was pulling you into no, meetings because I had a union behind because me. Because you had a and union no one, behind you. No one in that building, even in that building, was dumb enough to throw shit my way like that mm-hmm. with the union. Because yeah. I had to say two words, and that yep. would have been a whole lot of trouble. Yep, yep, yep. And my position wasn't yep. part of the union. <clears throat> so, you know, we. Um, we basically continued to kind of keep things to ourselves. Yeah. The way I fucking like it because it's the way I handle things. And I didn't get like, I mean, I didn't really have close friends in the building. Mm. I was just starting to get to know Carrie and, um, you know, you had friends. I mean, you didn't get, uh, yeah. I think what you're alluding to made me think of, I think this was St. Patrick's day. Oh, yeah, maybe it was. Where, like, people started to kind of find out. And this one guy who I was friendly with, we were friends at some point. Yeah. Like, really wanted to know what was going on. <laughs> like, really. And I kind of feel bad because, like, me not disclosing anything wasn't necessarily, like, a sign of our friendship or anything. This was just like, no, dude, this is kind of like, Okay, I get it. You want to know things. I'm not 
keeping my mouth shut. Like no one's learning anything like except maybe, maybe one other person. And actually like you, sir, Gabby Gertie over here mm-hmm. are much more of a gossip than anyone else. So like, well, particularly since when this had happened, when this person uh-huh. confronted you about this and wanted information, I had already been harassed like three times by supervisors right. at work. Yeah. Like it was like, no, I don't feel comfortable enough in yeah. my position to, you know, have actual information out there. Yeah. At all. No way. I was like, like this is staying, this is I'm, the fewer people I'm going to disclose anything to. Yep. And not you. Like, I don't know. It was like, you're in the principal's back pocket. Mm-hmm. Your buddies sharing gossip all the time. So like on a whole other level of not quite professional, I am not dipping my toe into that. Mm-hmm. So thank you. But no, I'm good. And this turned into like a one-sided screaming match where it's just like just desperately wanting to like have me say stuff. I'm just like, no. And just screaming at me. I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> and I'm just like being very earth. We're like, uh, no. Just no. No. Okay. You need to yell some more. Go ahead. I remember you texting me. Like, <laughs> I think you went in the bathroom and you were like, so I don't know what the fuck just happened. <laughs> First of all, it's like, I can't imagine being this interesting. Like, why is everyone losing their fucking mind? Right. It's so weird. And so some other weird stuff started happening. <clears throat> like our behavior at work did not change towards each other. Like there still was this very clear um, boundary of like, we're within work hours. I'm not going into his classroom. Like this is not what we're doing. And, um, you know, and you don't need to, you can text each other. Like, like <laughs> this is like, we didn't have to, I didn't need to go up into your classroom. No, no. Um, and so strange stuff would happen. Like, I would go to the bathroom and I would come back from the bathroom and the bathroom was literally like around the corner in the library. This wasn't even a different room. And um, I would get the third degree. Like, where were you? Where did you just go? Um, I got called into the principal's office like three times because a staff member told the dean of students that what I was wearing was too revealing inappropriate. or inappropriate. Um, I remember one time I was in, <clears throat> I mean, it was it was close to the end of the school year. So I had on a tank top and a skirt. This was a wide-strapped tank top. Everything was covered. My skirt was longer than my knees and uh, not form-fitting in any way. And I had to go into the dean of students' office and actually like turn around in front of him. Oh, my God. To make Don't sure. Don't you wish you could just be like... Have you lost your fucking mind? I know. Like, like in my brain, I'm like, what part of my brain wasn't functioning in that moment for me to be like, I am going to sue you. Like, seriously. Like, I, I just. I mean, and I don't mean seriously. Like, I'm like, seriously, what were you thinking? It's just that <clears throat> that veil of authority. Where, right. Like you're called into your boss. Mm-hmm. And then there's maybe part of your brain that's just like, okay, you're asking for something. Doesn't seem like a lot. You have significant power over me. You know what I mean? It's like right. you don't even you don't even question where like if you met on the if someone you met on the street 
or appear as to this, you'd be like, what are you fucking out of your mind? You can't ask that. Like, it should be no different for them. But like, because of the position they have, like, I don't know what it is. Like, and why? I think in so many ways, I like, I'm a, I'm a relatively slow reactor mm-hmm. to things. Yeah. I don't often react in the moment and need time to like wrap my head around and process what just happened. And so I think when I look back, I remember in those moments being totally frozen, mm, yeah. totally 100% frozen. And as much as my boss was being a weirdo, and she was being a colossal weirdo <laughs> about this, like, you know, what are we going to do? And, and people are obviously uncomfortable by the idea of you and Matt dating. And I'm like, people don't need to think about me and Matt. <laughs> um, you know, there were some times where she would get an email from a staff member that would be like, you know, we noticed that Jeannie isn't at her table. She must be in Matt O'Neill's classroom. And my boss would actually know where I was. I would be like outside sitting in the courtyard reading with one of my students. And she, and so like there were blatant times where people were like turning me in for like, I don't know, just being a general hussy in Matt's uh, classroom vicinity. And, um, <laughs> and and my boss actually knew exactly where I was. So she was like, okay, this is also weird. People are making things up. Mm. And, um, you know, it was, there were at least, there was at least one other meeting with a supervisor before the end of the year that was like, you know, it's probably the best for you to find another place to work because this is obviously bothering people. And, you know, like I've, for how easy it was to navigate like the newness of our relationship and how comfortable and, you know, I guess there's a balance. There's always a balance to everything because in those moments where it was just the two of us and we only had to navigate one another it was smooth sailing. Like I said, if, if it was a movie, I would be like, this is a little too easy, you know? <laughs> and the counter of that was how painfully difficult going to work was every day for a solid six months mm. because of <clears throat> people's thoughts, opinions, concerns. Um, well, what's that Eleanor Roosevelt quote or a quote attributed to Eleanor Roosevelt? I don't know if it's actually by her mm. where it's like, Small minds discuss people, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like bigger Average minds, minds discuss events, plans, events. Plans, events, bigger minds discuss ideas. Yep. Something like, I'm like, are you bored? Right. Do you not have enough to do? How do you not have enough to do? Like, I just still can't fathom. Yeah. Like, as much as like, as juicy as a relationship going on in the workplace is to like, know what's happening. Yeah. I wouldn't, for the life of me, have enough energy to give a shit about any of it. Like, oh, is someone going to tell me the new hot goss? That's great. I actually don't care. I'm I'm willing to listen, and then I get bored quickly. Well, and for <laughs> you know, it's me, like, it's I like... just don't get any sort of like meeting, fucking you know, talking to other people, talking to your supervisor. Like, I, it just it seems so. It's trash. Mm-hmm. It's so trashy. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's like I can't even get over it sometimes well and and you know for me it's like i love love (laughs) i love love so much (laughs) that i can't i cannot 
understand the desire or whatever it is to look at two people who have found one another and want to like interrupt that or disrupt that. Like, it's so bizarre to me. Or nothing that just who fucking care. Like, I, I don't want to say that the people were that were in charge in that school were pieces of shit. But I, I, I don't know, like revisiting this, like this part, I'm like, I can't believe you were treated that way. It's just mm. like, part of me is like, anyone and that had a role in pulling you aside, having a meeting, saying something is a piece of trash and garbage. And, you know, I honestly didn't have a lot of respect for them very long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, especially after that, I'm like, this is like, you know, every one of these students is on free and reduced lunch. Maybe there's bigger fish to fry. Maybe right. there's bigger things we can tackle as a school, yep. as a faculty. Maybe. More important f- things to have meetings about. <laughs> Maybe who fucking cares? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that was really like, uh, I ended up working, getting a job working in a different, like, educational context within the same school district yeah. but in a different building in a separate program and um to which you did endlessly more good you know what i mean it's like you were oh, so course. well fitted and the students you need you worked with has such a higher need that you were i won't say effortlessly able to meet it seemed effortless but i'm sure it wasn't just because of how good you seemed at it well, and it's like, it's a, it's another one of those scenarios in life where you're like, I, I could have had, and I did have the thought a few times, like, why is this happening to me? Like, why, why do I have to endure this at work when I really just want to be of service and use to a particular population of students? And, um, <clears throat> and then the, the hindsight is recognizing that it was so that I could go and actually work mm. in a different space and environment. However, um, it didn't end there in the sense that uh, the principal of the high school warned my new boss about me. <laughs> um, and, and fortunately, that person had heard like so many other things from the community about my work with youth that, that they were unwilling to care what the principal had to say. Um, and Don Corleone that uh, worked <laughs> off of favors over at uh, the high school. Yeah. It was, oh, hey, it was come, such a weird, like on in here. wannabe. Oh, you need something. I'll get that for you. Mob but, boss uh, mentality going on. I'm going to get this for you, but don't forget this favor I did for you. It was like, so bizarre. I've never in my life ever could relay the insanity oh that was God. going on. Can in I that tell building. this random story? Please do. It was towards the end of my first year. And my supervising teacher came to me and said, you know, you might want to go down to the principal's office and, you know, initiate some conversation to repair a rift. And in my head, I'm listening to this. I'm like, okay, okay. Wait, What? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And it, there was this appearance or this, this this impression that because I had never once like went down there, 
like to initiate a conversation to like say hi and hang out that like there is some sort of rift or some sort of like relationship that now needed repairing. I'm like, what the hell isn't the prince? Aren't they busy? Don't they have shit to do? Like run the school? Why does she want to hear from my dumb ass about, I don't even fucking know about what nothing about nothing, especially like not only would I never do that, but I remember very specifically in grad school for education, they're like, don't bother administration with mm-hmm. shit you can handle yourself. Mm-hmm. You handle it. You don't bring every single problem down there. I'm like, that's a great idea. And you certainly don't go down and like, hey, it's cheeseburgers. I have, the cafeteria were pretty good today, weren't they? I have problems. Can I talk to you about them? Like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is a colossal waste of everyone's it's so time. Voyeuristic. It's it's if it's an attempt to keep your finger on the pulse of your staff, it's bad. <laughs> well, and also like what if a if a principal really wanted if a leader, let me put it that way, really wanted to create connection with the people that they supervise, isn't it then your responsibility? to go and seek and to create that connection that's as the leader. That's what my first thought was like, is why don't you just call me down? Right. Or, or just come into my or just like classroom just send literally me, anytime. Send me an email and be like, hey, on a free period, can you come by? I would like to chat. Like, okay. Right. I am not initiating this. So strange. I am incredibly busy. Well, and it you know, and we'll talk about this in another episode because I think that like Oh we will. It's an important oh, what? piece. Uh this pressure that is put on introverts Mm. to be engaged and bigger and more vocal and, Mm. you know, step outside their comfort zone and interact with people when, you know, the, the opposite expectation is never put on extroverts. It's never like, you know what? You got to stop fucking talking. You got to tone it down. You got to pull it together. And, um, this is a work environment. Like, it's just particularly, I think, in teaching, right? There's right, especially this expectation. <clears throat> well, I mean, to do the job that you're there to do is not necessarily the introverted role. Right. You know what I mean? You need to be in charge of the room. You're up you there. On. You have to be on. Like, and that doesn't. That can mean on a lot of things, but I mean, it, it requires a certain level of being an extrovert and being in the spotlight, so to speak. And it doesn't lend to extra energy for ancillary extroverted behavior, like just trudging down to your boss's office being like, what's up? Let's chat about shit. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, sort of a diatribe, but like I, I was always just so caught off guard and so salty and just surprised. Like I am the, like I, I think there's nothing wrong with maybe, you know, it's your first week. You want to make sure the boss remembers you. It's like, hi, thank you for the opportunity. You know what right. I mean? It's like, thanks. But like, you know, you're also, I would never ask that of a first year teacher. Be like, hey, please make some time and come down here. And if you don't, I'll remember. Like, yeah. are you are you serious? Right. Yeah. It was super Well, salty. there was a lot of weird shit like that. Like, I had originally gotten hired <clears throat> for the academic mentorship position and um there was like 
a belief that there were going to be two openings and there was actually only one. And so I got a phone call that said, so we're actually need to give this position to this other person because the principal had promised them that they would get this position if they did this other thing for a period of time. Can I have a ruling? I'm going to uphold the pinky swear. <laughs> so, what the um, fuck promise? I don't give a shit. So you can be a paraeducator and, you know, maybe another opportunity will open in this particular department. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of that weird stuff of like, yeah. well, just do this job that's kind of shitty that nobody wants to do. And as soon as this other job opens, I'll give it to you. Even if there's other applicants that we are interviewing. Yeah, it's this whole illusion of like, get your foot in the door. It's so weird. Which is like, cool, you can do this like act, ethic, <clears throat> academic mentoring job, get your foot in the door. We have to post the actual teaching position. Someone could come along that's quali- more qualified or cheaper mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that we then will give it to. So like, yeah, this whole illusion of... Foot in the door is the biggest bunch of shit I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. It, there, there was just strange interactions in that way. And, you know, it didn't really, I mean, obviously we did not let any of this part of our hero's journey <laughs> deter us from moving forward and, uh, yeah, no, you know, I can let any of these jabronis dictate that. Exactly. Um, and it it definitely left, I think, it, personally for me, I won't speak for both of us, it definitely left a, a pretty um, raw wound in regards to any kind of interactions in the educational community where we were living. And so oh, yeah. it wasn't that long that um, we, rem- like, we left yeah. two years later. Um, yeah, was, to move to Ithaca because it was just like, this is clearly not the vibe. <laughs> this is oh, not the yeah. vibe. Oh yeah. It was, I mean, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it was, there was a lot that went on in the years that followed mm-hmm. that I'm like looking around. I'm like, what the, what the fuck are you doing? Are you adults or not? Like, I don't, I'm very confused about why many of you are behaving the way you're behaving. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yep. And and so, meanwhile, you know, we were dealing with all of this drama and bonkersness at work. And then on top of it, like, Matt, you, in many ways, navigating a complete, like, <laughs> 180 shift in lifestyle oh, yeah. from going from being like bachelor, <clears throat> you know, really only responsible for yourself to uh, moving in with me and a house full of adolescents. Yeah, that was easy compared to the shit that came before. <laughs> <laughs> Dealing with all the stuff at school, even coming home to a house full of teenagers and all of their friends. And no, the friends over never bothered me. Yeah. It was always, I never, I never minded that. That was always cool. And there was less drama in the house full of teenagers than there was in the um, school building that you yeah, worked in 100%. all day. I mean, thankfully that house was big and can hold 
everyone mm-hmm. plus friends. That went a long way. It did. But and that and it was never like I never I never once was like ugh so and so is having people over. Never gave a shit. They were just fucking kids, and they were way more earnest, way more genuine, and just nicer yeah. as a whole. Even the naughty ones, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they were always more pleasant to be around than you know. And I hate. I don't hate shitting on the place where we used to work. Uh, I will say to close this out, there, there were a handful of like people I genuinely respected, mm-hmm. uh, enjoyed working with. Yeah. Um, couple that I miss yep. and you know, some I think of every now and then be like, ah, oh, what are they up to? How are they right. doing? You know what I mean? Like genuinely care and liked interacting with them on a regular basis. You know, there was, there's always a few, but there was also some fuck wads that I don't give a shit what they're doing right now. <laughs> and I think the gratitude that I have for that whole experience is that for the rest of my life, no matter what happens, if it is very clear that I am not wanted someplace, that I'll just leave. <laughs> that I'll just leave. Because there is a place that I belong. There is something that I'm here to do. And like in my, you know, youth, I guess we could call it that. um, And, and longing for, well, and, and being very attached in a lot of ways to this path that Mm. I had created for myself and, a deep longing that I had to work in this particular school district with students who were struggling with students who hated school with students who I had to, I got to uh, drive to their houses in the morning and like literally get them out of bed and, and get them to come to school. Like there was something about that that was so important to me that I was willing to suck up the fact that, you know, for the most part, I didn't belong there. But I, I'm hearing you. I remember you have, telling me about having to do that with students. Was where is the supervisor that's like, this is not your job. <laughs> this isn't no. This is above your pay grade. This is not your responsibility. Oh no, it's definitely my job. What your job? Your job is not to go wake these people up. Oh, it's definitely house. my. There, were, I had at least three students. It was definitely part of my job. Like no. I got paid for it. I was on the clock. I was paid for the by the hour. That can't be legal. <laughs> Prop. Well, it was Vermont. Like, what's legal? What's legal in Vermont? Isn't that just kind of? There's no rules in Vermont. It's like the Wild West. It's like I want to say not. live free or die hard, but that's it's not the <laughs> one right next to it. Uh, it's probably New some Hampshire residual live free or die hard. You get the extra live free or die Vermont hard. has a lot of that energy too. Like we want to be like, oh, Bernie Sanders, Vermont, like you know this very progressive, and no, just no. <laughs> There's just. no on the majority of what's going on in that state. And uh, yeah, what were the rules? What were the rules? There were no rules. Uh, We'll let you know if you break them. (laughs) Fuck out of here. So, you know, my my ultimate lesson is, you know, no one ever knows what person is the right person for you. Mm, They can't. It's true. And when it is very clear that you are not wanted someplace, you're not a tree. It's true. Not a tree. You can leave. My lesson is that less that whole experience plus 
every year that goes by calling bullshit to people's face mm-hmm. on shit like that. Yeah. Not even have to like scream at them, be like, wait a second. Hold on. And I want, I mean, there's part of me that would love to go back and like sit down with <clears throat> particularly the principal and my direct supervisor that I had. Neither of these people work at the school anymore. Um, and be like, you bitches have no idea how much work Matt and I get done together every single day. Uh, my first thought was, you <laughs> are ridiculously lucky how close you could have been to be getting sued. Well, I mean, like, they wouldn't have gotten sued. The district would have gotten sued. I mean, so what yeah. do they care? Uh, well, I mean, they don't work at that district anymore that's true. anyway. Yeah. And the best part of it all, the irony in all of it, was that my supervisor that was so concerned about my behavior (laughs) had had like a two year long affair with a foreign language teacher in the building. And I'm like, I'm like, nobody's, nobody's going to say this. Nobody say this out loud. Oh, I forgot about that. Which brings me to, this is my final point. Wait a minute. Hold on. Okay. You're fucking kidding me, right? You're, you're giving me this shit. You, you are. Yeah. Are you serious? Are you serious? (laughs) Do we want to back up a second? That's what I mean by I think I just had like some kind of shock. I was just in shock that my brain stopped working. But it it lends me to the awareness Mm. that I now have around human behavior, Mm. which is if somebody is accusing someone else of something, million dollar bet that that person is doing whatever they are accusing someone else of doing. Every accusation is a confession. Every accusation, particularly unfounded, unnecessary, is a confession. Every accusation is a confession. If I could write myself a note and leave it for my past self, I would just write that and leave it and be like, just read it over and over until it clicks. Someone is... (laughs) Accusing you of something that seems like way out of left field. Yeah. They're showing you their hand. They are. Hey, but you know what? We're here now. We are here we are. now. So this is love story part two. Mm-hmm. Is there a part three? There really, I mean, no. No, no juicy bits to go from here. I mean, we're really, living it. I know. I was going to say like. We're living uh, it, baby. After this, it just goes into the boring day to day. Just the fucking... This is like the happily ever after that we don't have to talk about, right? Because we don't hear that part of the Happily story. ever after. Now go pick up the children. Happily ever after. Now who is cleaning the shower because the dog mud is all over the place? Happily ever after. I'm not doing these goddamn dishes <laughs> again! <laughs> he did the dishes every day. He did. Good stuff, honey. It was I fun. You. I love you too. I'm, I'm calm now. Yeah. No, I'm fired up. Oh, you're fired up. <laughs> well, we can we can lament about it a little bit more. Um, hey, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you're the one that I took a shot at. <laughs> <laughs> like with the, like with the ventral cannon. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know. In a million you lifetimes. Sh- you, you, sh- you shot your shot. You shot my shot. Shoot your shot. In a million lifetimes, if someone said to me, you can choose to be a public high school teacher <laughs> in this building with these children who behave badly and don't want to come to school, or you can fall in love with Matt O'Neill, 
I'm going to every time pick falling in love with Matt O'Neill. I have a choice. It's tough. Fall in love with Matt O'Neill on one side. If you take the red pill, you will continue to work a job that pays less than minimum wage, has zero benefits. And where everybody talks about you behind your back. That's that's an easy choice to make. (laughs) Thanks, honey. Thanks, honey. Love you. Thanks for listening, friends. This is Matt. This is Jeannie. (laughs) Thank you.